I think this is keeping me free. I think men are the last most reluctant to admit that they've been traumatized. In, in, in my opinion, what's been flipped on the head of men is that you have a certain age all your life you was told to suck it up. You were told to keep a stiff upper lip. You was before that told to keep on trucking. You were taught generations before this generation to ignore the trauma you may have faced as a man. Ignore it. Act as if it didn't happen. You were taught by your father. He was taught by his father. Don't complain. Hey, Haas. Hey, brother. He was taught to let it go. So here you are as they say in these modern times, a human being. A human with emotions, with needs, with desires, with wants, with tendencies, with pain, with sorrow. You're a human being. But as a man, you're... As a man, you are instructed Don't whine about it. Don't mention it necessarily. And what I believe happened is the whole construct came falling down. <clears throat> Suddenly everybody had something to say. Suddenly everybody had something to express. Every group of individual man no longer could sit on his trauma and act as if it didn't happen. A man could no longer just ignore the neglect that not only he has suffered from the hands of other men in their life, their inability to love. And what is love for a man and to a man? See, that's a question. Answer it in many ways.
Yes, he has needs, desires. I heard a man say, a rabbi say, that a man is better off without a woman. And in many ways, a woman is better off without a man. See, this is just a mystery to me. But when you get married, you are no longer a man or just a man. You're a husband. See, in my opinion, when you're a woman and you get married, you're no longer a woman, just a woman. You're a wife. See, a wife is always different than a woman. And a husband is always different than a man. It should be so. When I got married, when you get married, when she gets married, when they get married. See, this is what's so transforming about marriage. And in my opinion, if races of people would understand this in their life, they could cure their problems a lot sooner. They could overcome things as a race of people a lot faster. If they understood this one concept, and this is a God, in, this is the authority of God. I'm showing you the authority of God in this understanding. That is a man is all right by himself. He can handle his business for the most part. He can do what he needs to do and wants to do for the most part. A woman is all right by herself. She can do what she needs to do. She can be and for the most part do and accomplish what she wants to accomplish if she has any ambition at all. We do just fine separately. I do just fine without you and you do just fine without me. But see, when I got when I said I do, I do, I do, I am pronouncing my transformation. I do willingly become transformed into something else. I willingly am involved in being transformed into something else. See, when you got married, you became transformed into something else. You're no longer just this person and that person. You're no longer just this over here and that over here and that over there. 
When you got married, you became something else. When I got married, I became something else. That's what's so powerful about marriage. You know, outside of being maybe a birth of something where you become an uncle, you become a father, you become a, a cousin, you become, you know, something to someone else. But when you get married, there isn't that birthing change in the natural. There is a spiritual change. You are a married man. You are a married woman. Which means you are a wife by definition. I am a husband by definition. See, just being married ain't enough. I can just be married. It's not enough. There has to be the understanding of the transformation of your life from something to something else, something other, something, something else, something other, something, something else, something else. Resisting the understanding of the something else results in a problem with the marriage. Resisting the suffering of becoming something else presents a problem to the marriage. When I say that when you get married, you got to change. People look at me like I'm crazy. Why well, I got to change and they got to accept me the way I am and, and I accept them the way they are. No, you don't. First of all, number one and number two, you got married. Marriage is supposed to change you. Because it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual relationship to your creator, that human beings. Enter into, in his sight, in his presence, in how he sees the operation. And in many ways, it has nothing to do with you personally. There is a spirit in marriage that don't exist in shacking up. You shacking up with your God. You might be out the door tomorrow. That's male and female. Why? Because it's too difficult. Why? For what? You to say, I do. I will. I'll be changed by my relationship to you. I'll get better, I'll grow, I'll become something else. I'm willing to become something else. That's what marriage is. And see, when you don't realize that, when you don't understand that going into marriage, you don't want to change. You want everything else to change for you, to suit you. 
to suit an environment you're comfortable in so that you can perform, so you can be the best that you want to be, so you can be the best that you can be. That's using marriage as your personal Like using marriage as your personal valet. Drop me off at the intersection of the best I can be marriage. Because now you're doing this and you're doing that. And now I can see you worthy of my love marriage. Marriage is about two people changing. Because they become some, they become something else. If you don't want to change in a marriage, then maybe you don't need to be married. And maybe that's not God in your marriage. Because you don't want to change. I don't want to change. When I come to the Lord Jesus Christ, this is the connection of the mystery and how coming to the Lord is like a marriage. It's like a marriage between God and humanity. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my children. My children. I'm going to be your God. You're going to worship me. I'm going to lavish my love on you, my attention on you. I will be with you in times of trouble because I know where you are, kind of God. See, humanity is over here in this place that's been corrupted by God's enemy. So he has to be mindful of the authority that humanity that was created in his image gave over to God's enemy. I said mindful because God is not a rebel. Not like that. So he, he works with the point of rebellion. See, humanity is the point of rebellion between God and his enemy. God's enemy decided to stand up against something. In my opinion, it was humanity. When God created humanity, he created something that he wanted to fellowship with. And I don't think any of the other gods even thought about this. I don't think so. That's why God is their God. See, you got to understand these lesser gods got a one-track mind. These lesser gods, these gods underneath the great I am, they think they're not too open-minded to thought, to new ideas, to new concept. They're too busy being gods. But see, God, our God, our great God has an open mind to himself. See, they can only think. See, I'm going to say this too, and I don't know if I'm making any sense. 
But a, a lesser case God can only think ultimately in the framework of his creation because he was created by God. So he can only, it can only expand its influence in the realm of its understanding of the God that created that God. But the God of gods is who's trying to come in fellowship with you and me. And all these, in my opinion, lesser gods are trying to steal the glory, trying to steal the image, they're still trying to snatch the image and the likeness of God away from him. They're still on this plot to get as many souls, many spirits away from God as possible. They're playing the numbers game. And that's why humanity plays the numbers game. If you're the richest man, if you're the richest woman, then you've won the game. Because the, in my opinion, the enemy spirits of God play the numbers game over souls, over spiritual lives, collected. So you have all these, in my opinion, lesser gods battling over the flesh and blood of humanity as a point of savior. See, the lesser gods battle over the point of humanity's flesh and blood as an offering. Maybe this will get us back in right standing with the God of gods. Maybe this will put us back in the right position with the God of gods. I'm not going to speak too harshly about But this is a numbers game to the lesser gods. Because they know that the life is in the blood. See? The energy is in the blood. See? They're not confused where the energy is. It's in the blood of humanity. And that's what they're fighting over. But Jesus Christ came and shed his blood one time. For the God of Abraham... Isaac and Jacob. There's delusion in the God world. Believe me. So how could there not be delusions in humanity's life? Because you signed on.
Gordon Ingrid. 